The Holy Gospel of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Up there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is the um, next to the last year, the Sunday, in the church year. And um, in the Episcopal Church, we can't just stand to have just the last Sunday. So we kind of have to back it up a little bit. And it gets to be the next to the last Sunday. And so we just keep on working on it until we finally get to Advent. So this is one of those Sundays that I think of as sort of a bridge Sunday. We're about to start thinking about Jesus during the season of Advent of when he comes again in power and great glory. So this part is what could happen. 
what might happen, the end of the world, the eschaton, as we call it. I am not going to be concentrating on that part of it this morning. What I want to talk about comes from Isaiah, the canticle, and the part we read this morning. But it's good to hold the other part in your head, what was about the temple. And as you know, Jesus probably said this just very shortly before his death. And it would be another 30 years or so before the temple was destroyed. It was destroyed in 70. But this temple would fall down. It would come down. So this was something that was coming. And by the way, in terms of full disclosure, along with the idea that pride cometh before a fall, I uh, was trying to be real careful with my stuff in the bulletin, and I was checking out the Thessalonians, and it occurred to me that Paul was not talking to all the Thessalonians. He was only talking to the people that were in the church. So I wanted to be sure I got the town right. I looked up, looked it up, and I tell you, I was had a vision, and it said Thessalonia. It's not Thessalonia. It's Thessalonica. So, <laughs> see, I was just trying to be so smart, and I still goofed up and missed it. <laughs> so don't go home and tell anybody that we had the wrong name for the church. That would not be good. And anyway, so a new heaven and a new earth. Think about this. We've been reading in Isaiah, and before that, we've been listening to the story of the people of Judah. We've been hearing about how they had betrayed God, how they were conquered, how they were exiled into Babylon. And during all the time they were there, they were still not close to God. They were figuring it out. They were sort of getting along without God. They were mingling with the people that were there. They'd lost sight of who they were as God's people, the children of God, the people of Israel. God warns them. We've heard that over the last few weeks. God tries to tell them. He loves them so much he doesn't want this to happen to them. But they don't listen. And so they are conquered. They are exiled. And they still misbehave. Now, if a normal person, we might think, would just say, okay, I've done my best. I've told them. I've retold them. I've explained it to them. They don't get it. I'm tired of this. Let them go have their own God. I'm done. God doesn't know that kind of thinking. God sees those people as God's people. He sees the people as good because God made them good, even when they disobey. And God will not just turn God's back on them and let them go their own way. This would not be the last time that God would try to entice his people home. We know of another time, don't we? It's called the birth, death, and resurrection of his own son. Where one more time he tried to show people how much he loved them. 
He came into the world to do that. But this time, where we are this morning, the prophet Isaiah is his spokesperson. The prophet Isaiah is telling him, there's going to be something new. We know that you've been in exile. I know it's not been easy. I know the things you've done. I want you back. I want you back. That's the difference between parts of our humanity that are unperfected and God's perfection. God never stops wanting us home. And so he has Isaiah explain this thing that it's so incredible, it's hard to even think about it. But it's one of a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of how God sees that it could be a new heaven and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. Listen to this. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. God's not concerned whether the temple is built or not built. What God is concerned about is that God's people hear him, turn to him, love him, somehow or other get caught up in the way the world could be. Isn't that still the call? Isn't that still call to us? Can you not hear God saying, I'm at work in your world. I'm trying to create something better. I'm trying to see that so many babies don't get sick and die too early. I'm trying to see that people don't suffer from things they shouldn't have to suffer from. Hunger, homelessness, drug addiction. I'm trying, I'm trying, God tells us, to help create a new world. I can't do it by myself. I have to have help. I need my children back. I need my children to hear me. And when they hear me, to begin to believe that they can be part of a new heaven and a new earth. God comes to the people of Judah with the words that should help them to make it through to the next phase. Some of you know the words I'm about to read by heart. Some of you have music in your head, and anytime you hear this, you hear the music that, it goes, that goes to it. My version of this song of Isaiah's is Jack Noble White's. And if I even trusted myself to find the key, I would sing a verse of it. But I'm not going to go that far. You see, there are still miracles. <laughs> but listen, 
Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. Our God says to the people of Israel who have been defiant, who've turned their backs on him, who've disobeyed, who've done everything possible to go up yours. And God says to them, Remember, my children, surely it is God who saves you. I will trust in him and not be afraid. They had plenty to be afraid of at this point, plenty. But God wants them to understand and have it beating in their heart, these words to be remembered, a new heaven, a new earth. Surely it is God who saves who? Not them, me. This is personal. God saves me. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. I ran across uh, in the studying out of, uh, for this sermon out of a book called Feasting on the Word, a story about a gentleman that I have to say I didn't know about until this week. His name is Tommy Dorsey. Tommy Dorsey was born in 1899 in Villarica, Georgia. His father was a minister. His mother was a piano teacher. And she taught him piano early on. He moved to Atlanta. I guess they moved to Atlanta in his early years. And by the time he was 17, he left home and went to Gary, Indiana and began playing in clubs. He played in clubs, he played in theaters, and occasionally he had a church gig. He was a gifted musician. He went to school in Chicago taking arranging and composition. This is after he'd gotten out of high school. He played in the clubs there. He was converted there. Converted in the sense that he'd been in church, but he had a re-meeting with God. And he joined the Pilgrim Baptist Church. He married. Let me get to that part. I'm going to read you this. It's his words. Back in 1932, I was 32 years old and a fairly new husband. My wife, Nettie, and I were living in a little apartment in Chicago's South Side. One hot August afternoon, I had to go to St. Louis, where I was to be featured soloist at a large revival meeting. I didn't want to go. Nettie was in her last month of pregnancy with our first child, but a lot of people were expecting me in St. Louis. In the steaming heat of St. Louis, the crowd called me on to sing again and again 
When I finally sat down, a messenger boy ran up with a Western Union telegram. I ripped open the envelope, pasted on the yellow sheet were the words, your wife just died. When I got back, I learned that Nettie had given birth to a boy. I swung between grief and joy, yet that night, the baby died. I buried Nettie and our little boy together in the same casket. Then I fell apart. For days, I closeted myself. I felt that God had done me an injustice. I didn't want to serve God anymore or to write any more gospel songs. I just wanted to go back to the jazz world I once knew so well. But still, I was lost in my grief. Now, everyone was kind to me, especially a friend, Professor Fry, who seemed to know what I needed. On the following Saturday evening, he took me up to Malone's Poirot College, a neighborhood music school. It was quiet. The late evening sun crept through the curtain windows. I sat down at the piano, and my hands began to browse over the keys. Dorsey remembered an old pentatonic five-note melody melody from his Sunday school days was in the Methodist hymnal. The tune was named Matlin. He began to play on that piano and change some of the words to another hymn that he knew. And what he composed that night in the depth of his grief is a song that some of you probably know. which is in here. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm alone. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drearier, precious Lord, linger near. When my light is almost gone, Hear me cry, hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When the darkness appears and the night draws near and the day is past and gone at the river, I stand, guide my feet, take my hand. Take my hand, Lord, lead me home. Precious Lord, Take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm alone. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. That night, at that piano, Dorsey, found a new heaven and a new earth. 
And for a time, he was able to put behind him the incredible hurt and pain that he felt after losing his wife and his child. This is the offer that is made to us through the words of Isaiah. This is the offer that is made to us through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's to claim the words, Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For he is my stronghold and my sure defense. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm lone. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. Through these next weeks and Thanksgiving and Christmas, remember God's hand is out to us. All we need to, ever need to, is to reach back and be able to hold it. Take my hand. Precious Lord, when we do that, we know that in our hearts is a response to God's plea. And we can, like Isaiah, say, yes, I know, truly, it is God who saves me. Amen.